Hi, uh, hello all. Uh, welcome to uh, People Politics podcast debate. Um, today we will be debating the question: To what extent do party leaders and campaigns have an effect on voting behaviour? Um, representing the Agree team uh, will be People Politics, and arguing against it will be Shottery, and I will be chairing. Uh, my name is Brendan. There aren't any judges, so. Don't worry about that too much, uh, but we will be running a poll on Twitter at People Politics afterwards. So can I invite the People Politics team to give an opening statement on the uh, question, to what extent do party leaders and campaigns have an effect on voting behaviour? Um, you have as long as you like. So Grace and I are arguing that it is in fact true that party leaders and campaigns have a huge impact on voting behaviour during elections. This can be said because there is a huge amount of evidence to prove that depending on how effectively executed a party's campaign is and how popular their leader is, it can affect their vote support either in a negative way or a positive way. Thank you. Uh, and would the Shottery team like to so it's out there, open statement for the debate. Okay, so me and Lizzie are arguing that party leaders and campaigns do not have a large effect on voting behaviour. We're arguing that campaigns, firstly, do not have a large effect on voting behaviour because it is more dependent on how they're portrayed by the media than the campaign itself. We're also arguing that party leaders have a decreased effect on voting behaviour as the media impression of the party leader and increased suspicion of politicians from the population will render them ineffective. Would People Politics like to make that opening question to Shottery? How can you say that campaigns don't play a big role when we've seen that if a party has a great campaign, the party gains an increase in voting support, such as Churchill's strong campaign in 1951? For the Conservatives. Similarly to the bad campaigns, um, they see a decrease in voting support, such as the campaign for John Major, which read New Labour, New Danger in 1997. Uh, we, would argue, we would argue that campaigns, campaigns such as Churchill's and John Major's don't really play a relevant role in the campaigns we see today for new elections. Uh, for example, I think New Labour, New, New Danger was an example of a campaign that actually massively backfired as, you know, there was often this idea that people were scared of New Labour when really that, that campaign strategy was quite, it was very targeting and it was very negative and people didn't necessarily respond well to that. Whereas nowadays we can see that there is campaigns where it is just, honestly, it is ineffective. So before and after campaigns in recent years, there have been the exact same numbers as people, um, for example, in Theresa May's campaign or the recent campaign with Boris Johnson in 2019, uh, the, there is 43% of people approved of the Conservative Party from the 12th to the 20th of November. And then afterwards, there was a same exact amount of people, the 43%. So I think overall, we would say that campaigns are, can not necessarily increase uh, the number of vote, people that vote for that party or voting behaviour in general. However, they can often make politicians seem sli slightly foolish if they are trying you know, too hard to pander towards their 
you know, their voters. There's often been examples of where people in, you know, politicians and especially leaders within the media, they have been kind of, you know, the media misleads the way that they are presented and often campaigns can, if anything, hinder their, you know, effects because it can be painting them out to be foolish or, you know, otherwise. Um, I think we would overall just say that campaigns do not in you know in recent years maybe for Churchill back in those days but now it's just a case of really they don't have that much effect. Can I add some? Yeah you can. Um, this is kind of just building on what Lizzie's already said but I think it would be important to mention that the examples you've given are a bit older and you could say that they're outdated and not relevant to current politics when we look at more recent examples like Lizzie provided. Uh, would people politics like to follow up? So, as you've said from your point about Churchill's campaign backfiring, that was one of the main points of ours, that a negative or a badly executed campaign does result in a loss, maybe not a total loss of government, but a losing in seats definitely, or support. Um, for more a more recent example, we would use Theresa May. Um, her campaign just kind of lacked. Um, and a big mistake she made was not turning up to a political event during her during the election run-up, which portrayed her as quite um, lazy almost. Um, yeah, and then that resulted in her losing her majority. Um, just another more recent example. So in 2019, Labour invested more into targeting young people. So in that campaign, they um, donated about, well, they invested about £100,000 into like Snapchat ads, Facebook ads, just so they could get a more, um, a more, an increased voter share from young people. And as you can see, it's very, um, noticeable that most young people vote for Labour. Um, so that's another more recent example as well. Uh, would Chotri like to respond to that? Or, or yeah. um, so for our response, we would say that even though Theresa May, uh, you know, she had instances where she had, you know, decreased the, vo the voter turnout or voter behaviour due to her behaviour, we would say that Theresa May and the Conservatives still won that election, even though she did not, you know, even though she affected the, you know, somewhat the way that voting behaviour was laid out. Overall, campaigns like that, it regardless of what Theresa May did, it still meant that the Conservatives won in the end. And so we would argue that really people were still going to vote for Conservative regardless of what, you know, unless Theresa May did something drastically, which was, you know, not like not turning up to a, an event, that would not be a drastic example of something that they did. But I think overall, People were still going to vote Conservative regardless, and they still won the camp, you know, the the election regardless of the campaign. So we would say to that that the Conservatives' campaign at the time was very much focused towards Brexit, which, as we saw from the referendum, is what the people wanted, or at least a lot of people wanted. So areas of her campaign kept those voters, like those core voters or issue voters of Brexit and of the Conservatives. However, her losing the majority was quite a big downfall of the Conservatives. So it still shows that the actions 
during the campaign have an effect on how many seats they win or lose? Uh, if I may interject, um, that argument's uh, well, that uh, debate's gone on uh, this one hour. Um, would Shotri like to perhaps ask a question? Okay, our question is, um, how would you respond to the example such as the Liberal Democrat Party, whose voting numbers stay the same, or the Green Party, for example, even though their leaders change very frequently? So in line with our argument, we're arguing both for party leaders and campaigns, and we're arguing that these two factors can affect a party positively or negatively. And as you said, with the Liberal Democrats and the Green Party, it was, I think, um, their leaders change very frequently. If you have very unfamiliar faces um, in a party, that can affect your voter share. This is very, very um, evident in the Conservative Party at the moment with how they've changed from Boris Johnson to Rishi Sunak to... Um, so, no, so Boris Johnson to List Trust and now to Rishi Sunak. Um, so again, if you have quite a strong party leader, one party leader, one face that um, voters are familiar with, that could help a party. Um, but then if you have leaders changing the party, it can affect the party negatively, like the Liberal Democrats and the Greens. Um, so for your point about the Conservative Party, I was going to argue the same thing, but as the Conservative Party has had many leader changes in the past four years, um, like Cameron, May, Johnson, Liz Truss, Rishi Sunak, um, and throughout all of this they've still remained in power, so how would their, how come their leadership is not affecting their vote share if it's meant to be affecting it and also yeah we were just wondering if we could hear more about how this is affecting the vote share of the Lib Dems and the Greens. Um, in, resp in response to your question about how come the Conservatives have had so many lead, um, leaders but they've still stayed in power, um, the main focus of the question at the moment is about elections. We haven't had another election yet and there's a lot of evidence to show if we were to have an election right now, most people would vote Labour, um, exactly because of what you said about having so many leaders. Um, yeah, to take the Conservatives out of power right now, there needs to be like a vote of um, no confidence, um, which is not the topic at the moment. We're talking about elections, so yeah. Um, yeah. So if we move back to people politics, if you have another question you'd like to ask. Um, so how can you say that party leaders don't play a big role when if a party has a popular leader, they gain the majority vote? Um, our two main examples are Margaret Thatcher and Boris Johnson. So with Boris Johnson, you could see he was quite, he had quite a, like a down to earth personality. He could really relate to voters and this really helped the Conservatives to gain a majority. And I know those, um, no, sorry, Margaret Thatcher is a bit outdated, but she did win a landslide election and she was one of the longest serving um, prime ministers. So but yeah, that would be our question. Uh, so if Pupil Politics would like to respond to that, and then we'll move on to another question from Shotri. 
So regarding your point about the media, we were saying that although the media like targeted these leaders and like it had an effect on the election results because a lot of people are obviously influenced by the media, especially in our age of social media and like online news and everything like that. Um, but then those like, media sources focus on the leader, which circles back to our point of the leader having an influence. For example, we have um, uh, the newspaper that said, was Kinnock um, if Kinnock wins the election, if Kinnock wins today, can the last person to leave Britain please turn the lights out? Yeah, please turn out the lights. Um, which obviously painted him in a bad light and very like untrustworthy, which, yeah, which then resulted in his loss. Okay, so um, just to add on to that, basically we do um, acknowledge that the media has a very bad impact. Well, the media has a huge impact on how elections turn out, but we're circling back to the fact that the media is focused on, on the leaders as well. Um, with a lot of media headlines, you can, especially the newspaper headlines, they never talk about Labour or Conservative. It's always about the leader, Boris Johnson or Corbyn. So we've got, for example, um, a headline saying, waking up to Corbyn as PM on Friday the 13th would just be the start of a nightmare. So again, it is targeting the leader and how the leader is portrayed to the public. So the leader does still play an impact. Thank you. And if Shotri would like to ask another question. So we'd like to ask in relation to devolved areas like Northern Ireland, Wales, Scotland, and also local elections. Um, the campaign for election there is not focused at all around the leader and none of the promotion of the party is focused around the leader or the overall party campaign as much. So how does that work with your argument? Um, in regards to your question about devolved bodies, we can see that in Scotland with the SNPs, before the SNP got a majority, it was largely the Conservatives who had a majority. And I'd say the main reason the SNP started gaining a majority was hugely due to Nicola Sturgeon. Um, we can see that with Nicola Sturgeon, she was more focused on Scotland gaining independence, and which is what the public wanted. So that helped in gaining a majority for the SNP. Um, just relating back to an issue that we kind of highlighted earlier with focusing on politicians as opposed to kind of parties or other issues, we could argue that Nicola Sturgeon was like in the way that Boris Johnson represented Brexit, Nicola Sturgeon represented independence for, you know, Scotland. And ultimately, people wanted independence. Again, I don't think they would necessarily say they wanted Nicola Sturgeon. I mean, Nicola Sturgeon could have been any sort of politician that was arguing for referendum at the time. I think now that there is a new leader who was also arguing for independence, I, and that's who got voted in. I think that just further reveals that people of Scotland are always going to, you know, they're going to take devolution, they're going to take their new independence and their want for independence, they're going to see whatever politicians at the time are representing that issue and they will vote for that person. I don't necessarily think it was about Nicola Sturgeon as a personality or as about a political character. I think I, we would argue that ultimately voting behaviour was on issue voting at this time and it was about the referendum for independence. Yeah, um, I'd also add that if they just come out of a conservative area, then the 
Nicola Sturgeon's election could be seen as being more a change as Nicola's so left wing compared to traditional right wing conservatism. Um, the people could vote for Nicola Sturgeon out of a desire for change and away from the conservatives compared to for Nicola as a political leader, just the ideas that she represented. Uh, would people politics like to respond to that? So we're going to bring this back a little bit to campaigns because your point about um, the Scottish independence, anybody could have been elected if they're promoting the Scottish independence, um, which is a fair point. We're going to say that they, the SNP got voted in for it because they effectively campaigned for the independence of Scotland. Um, and obviously they're campaigning with the message through to the public that they'd be able to carry through or at least give them a chance at completing the current issue or solving the current issue. So if Shotri would like to do one more response to that and then we will move on to concluding statements. Um, I think we would just like to say that uh, regardless of whether the campaign you know, had gone ahead or not, or whether there had been an uh, effective campaign, I think regardless of that detail, people in Scotland were going to want a referendum, whether or not there was a, you know, a good campaign for it. I think ultimately the agreed opinion within the Scottish, you know, within Scotland and within the Scottish people, they would have said, we want independence. We're going to vote for a leader that, you know, wants independence for us. I don't necessarily think a campaign would directly contribute to that opinion because there's such a long history of people that wanted you know independence for Scotland and I don't think that history would have been disregarded by a few months of you know campaigning for this a referendum I think it was a very agreed upon decision within the Scottish people that they wanted this and I think probably campaign although it could have been effective in slightly you know getting it ahead slightly I think ultimately the opinion lied within the people and within the issue and not the leader or the campaign. Yeah, I'd like to add to that that the first vote for devolution in Scotland was in 1979, at which point it wouldn't have been affected by current SNP campaign and the current SNP campaign would not have had anything to do with that. Uh, so thank you to both teams uh, for the debate so far. Um, we will now move to Shotri and if you'd like to give a closing statement. Okay, so in our closing statement, we would like to kind of highlight the fact that the other team has failed to provide any sort of evidence or any sort of explanation as to how local elections can often not represent their voting leaders and often things such as the Green Party do not highlight why their leaders are so great or how their leaders have an effect on voting campaigns. Ultimately, it will always be the party or another issue that will affect voting behaviour more. The Conservatives, for example, have handed out their local leaflet for Stratford, and this does not have Rishi Sunak's name mentioned at all once during the entire leaflet. Instead, it focuses on issues that are local or issues that are going on that affect, you know, the people that are going to vote for the, you know, Conservatives. I think we would like to highlight that Boris Johnson in the 2019 election, again, before and after his campaign, had the exact same amount of approval rates. It was 43%. And even when he joined office, the approval rate continued to be the same as it was the exact same before he started his, you know, the, the campaign the six weeks in. I think we both agree that saying it is a leader that causes elections 
is a reductionist statement. Ultimately, leaders will always represent an issue such as Brexit. If you are voting for Jeremy Corbyn, you will often be voting for left-wing policies, not necessarily the man that represents those policies, just the actual policies themselves. It can be said that leaders are becoming a primary reason for voting behaviour, and we acknowledge this and respect it. However, we also find that leader-motivated voting is most prevalent among non-partisans, older voters, and in elections where ideological polarisation is low. So therefore, there is not a majority in the country, just the majority of those who will vote. Ultimately, we think that um, people that are going to vote, they are not necessarily influenced by leaders, but by issues going on and by the fact that campaigns often do not have an effect on the country as a whole. Thank you. Uh, just a note from the chair, for those of you listening to the podcast, uh, during that closing statement, uh, Shotri held up a campaign leaflet from the Conservatives. <laughs> so, uh, if we can now move on to the People Politics closing statement. So, we've argued that party leaders and campaigns do have a huge effect on voting behaviour, because we've seen that when a party is a powerful campaign, it results in the party becoming successful, or at least an increase in voting support, such as Theresa May in 2019, opposed to when a party has a poor campaign and therefore leading to a loss, as well as leaders playing a strong role in representing a party to voters, which is what elections aim to do in a democracy. Shortery School, you've said that the current political issues matter more to voters, but if the party leader is the one who represents this issue, then surely the party leader still have a significant role to play. Uh, thank you both teams for your debate today. Uh, it was very good. Uh, thank you everyone for listening uh, and I'd like to remind voters to vote on our poll on Twitter at People Politics. So once again, thank you Shotri, uh, thank you People Politics team and we will see you all in the next one.